0: Well good morning, good day, good evening. It is Wednesday. It's March 30th, 2022. Same situation. Rainy outside, fire going, dogs everywhere. No editing able to be done on the audio. So we're just going to dive in and go through what we talked about in the title and the description. And I think the big news that I wanted to address today is... couple things one uh, I want to talk a little bit about where I want this to go Uh, two the dollar is going to officially die and three what is truth and what is danger in relationship to everything that's happening around us now and so the first thing I want to do is the one that most people will be interested in is the death of the dollar is that a real thing and what does that mean for me and if you're like me, you've been paying attention to what's been happening uh, with the gold-backed ruble emerging on the scene, I believe officially on Friday. Oh, it just occurred to me that's going to be April Fool's Day. <laughs> ha! Fool's gold, right? And so uh, that is going to be becoming a reality, whether we want it to or not, and the America that most of us are observing is fairly oblivious to one what a petrodollar even is meaning that uh, we have dominated the world because the currency has been tied to oil uh, called a petrodollar and we have insisted that everybody else around the world trade their energy in american dollars and that's how we've controlled everybody and that's how we've stayed in control even though we're the only major country in the world that has nothing backing the dollar but debt. And that's something else I don't think people realize when they have this idea that the government can just print money out of nowhere and there's no accountability to that, that's really no different, you know, than us charging up our credit card having a Significant interest payment every month that gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, at some point that comes due. You know, the difference between us charging up our credit card and the country charging up its debt by printing money and asking other countries to buy our debt is that a credit card is an unsecured loan. So if you default, yeah, your credit gets creamed and you go down the toilet, but They can't really do anything to you. It was a risk that your creditor was willing to take. What's different about our debt as a country is that China primarily has insisted that there must be some kind of commodity, some kind of Tangible asset tied to that debt. So it wasn't free money. It was money given like you would go to a pawn shop. So here's my gold watch. Uh, I'm going to take this money, and if I don't pay you back, eventually you get to keep the gold watch. Only everything is secured in America. It's planted in the ground. It's either land or farms or gold or you know, things that can't be just transitioned out and over to China, etc., other people, other countries, so they own, quote-unquote, America. And so that just doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel tangible. It doesn't feel like it's something that uh, makes any sense. But I am not a money person, and so I don't function in that world. I don't pay attention to those kinds of things, uh, except in 2000. Seven. when I made the decision to leave my job and start my own business and then in 2008 everything crashed and I learned by not paying attention that I lost everything. The cost of my unwilling to understand the truth and the realities around economies and money and debt and financing resulted in and me losing everything and the thing that was most upsetting for me uh, and I don't remember exactly what my house was worth well let's say my house was worth a hundred thousand dollars well I'd already paid off that hundred thousand dollars but I still owed two hundred thousand dollars in interest and so because I had set up a 30-year mortgage right I was only paying off the interest I wasn't paying off the house so I didn't really own anything and my Loan was still very high. And on top of that, if I chose to default on my house, which I eventually did, somebody else was able to buy that $100,000 house for $10,000 because of what was going on with the market at that point. I wasn't allowed to rebuy my own house for $10,000, but somebody else who'd never put a dime into my house could buy my house for $10,000. I had to pay off the debt. On top of that, if I chose to default because at that point you couldn't sell your house for what the uh, loan was worth, so uh, you know someone else could pay 10,000, which means I still owed the balance of the debt so if I sold my house for that amount of money whoops there goes the microphone if I sold my house for that amount of money I was still on the hook for that excess debt at some point in time now eventually I think they passed a law that said that you didn't have to pay it off but uh, at that point it didn't make any sense to sell it because I still owed all that money with no house you know appreciating or anything and so The third piece of that that was just so infuriating was not only would the bank get my $100,000, so I'd already paid back the loan, right? The government was going to give them an additional 95% of that outstanding loan. So they've already doubled their money on my loan and I am left with nothing. And so that was my awakening into the reality that, you know, whatever we've got going on with this money system is it really sucks. It's not fair. And I don't know what the answer is, but I'm not playing the game. And that's when I made the decision to never buy anything without having money in hand to do it. And if I can't buy it, then I don't get it. I don't do anything on credit or debt ever again with the exception of you know maybe somebody like a family member somebody loaning me a little bit of money uh, in an emergency but I always try to keep an emergency fund and when I left you know gosh 10 plus years ago uh, I was really nervous right I don't have a credit card Uh, I have a debit card just because it's almost impossible to function without some form of uh, plastic but I only use that In absolute necessities because I don't want to give the government or the MasterCard people capital uh, the institutions right I guess they're all the same thing corporations I don't want to give them that two or three percent they make on every transaction and those of you who run businesses know exactly what I'm talking about right you can sell something the dogs getting ready to drink so here we go Uh, every transaction you know, they get two to three percent. I don't even know what it is now because I haven't uh, sold anything in a long time. And so no matter which way you go, the little guy gets screwed. You know what's happening at the macro level is great big businesses are able to borrow money at zero interest and make a fortune. The little person can't borrow money or if they do, it's at high interest. So whatever we do, we're screwed. There's no such thing as free money, and America has been playing its own version of a Ponzi scheme for a very long time. Now, the rest of the world has been frustrated and pissed off, rightly so, and so while we've been oblivious, you know, charging our way into oblivion, right, with a, without any real sense of what's going on in the bigger picture, Uh, thinking even if we buy things like gold and land and things like that we're safe the rest of the world has been saying you know this just sucks and what are we going to do about it and so what we're seeing emerge officially on friday ha ha april's fools is that with the rejection of the american dollar as the dominant currency we're screwed now One of the things I did when I lost everything was I was curious as I knew that eventually this was going to happen. I didn't know when it would happen. I thought it would happen a long time ago. Uh, You know, I made a lot of decisions around how I was going to interact with money and be in preparation for the big fall. And so I spent a lot of time researching places like Argentina and Cuba and Russia Uh, a lot of countries in Zimbabwe, a lot of African countries, Germany after the war, a lot of countries have been through this experience. You know, Iceland intentionally allowed their dollar to collapse and rebuilt their economy. So they, as as a country, sucked it up for a few years, and then they came out much stronger. Now, I don't want to talk about what to do financially. And that's what most people want to listen to. Well, how am I going to be safe? How am I going to be safe? How am I going to be safe? What can I do? How can I get around this? How can I avoid this? How can I be okay and not have to experience any of the discomfort of what I perceive maybe as the bad decisions of everybody else? Well, this is the Truth and Freedom Podcast, the Dangerous Freedom Podcast, and the one that says, The kinds of things that you don't want to hear. And one of the things that we don't want to hear is the universe operates in such a way that you must experience the consequences of your decisions. In the same way I didn't pay attention, I had an opportunity to sell my house when it was double its value. So let's say it's a hundred thousand, it was worth two hundred thousand. I didn't sell it because I didn't see what was coming so I screwed myself because I was greedy and didn't want to pay attention to what was going on and I've been living with the consequences of that ever since I didn't choose to go back into the system I made a different path Uh, I won't say it's the right one or the wrong one it was just the one I wanted to learn from how do we operate in this world without functioning in the existing system? Is it possible? The answer is yes, but there's complications. And so because we are all responsible for our decisions and we must live with their consequences, just because you think you've planned the best way you can to avoid whatever's coming, then you will be safe even if nobody else is and I don't know uh, you know some people say there's still a way to go through a soft landing on this some people say it's going to be fine other people say it's going to be the road or worse uh, you know I don't know I do know that it's an un sustainable system you cannot charge your credit cards indefinitely right you can you can keep doing that game you know where you rotate them and you get new ones at zero interest and you transfer the balance and you keep playing that game with your credit cards you can stretch that out for a very long time and that's what a lot of people do and maybe they default and they take on a new identity but eventually All that stuff catches up with you eventually the cost of the monthly uh, uh, debt the interest is too much so if you owe a thousand dollars and your interest is a hundred dollars and so your minimum payment is a hundred dollars eventually you may get to that point where you can't cover that one hundred dollars and so you default so whatever we want to say about money it's a we've made it very complex we've made it very manipulated and the most important thing we've done is we've made it so that the little guy like me and you cannot break the rules but the big guys can and so what I noticed in all the other countries and how they managed when their dollars collapsed when their finances when their economies collapsed uh each was a little bit different. You know, what happened in Russia, Russia had a different form of community. They all had homes. So the government uh, has had created a system so most people had a place to live. So they did not have massive homelessness because people, even if they had no income, they weren't evicted. Uh, they still had a large rural population, so people could still grow food. But it was lean, and it was hard, and not everybody did well. And so it it was a little bit different. Uh, Russia also has such a high degree of corruption that uh, in the in their transformation of uh, when they were trying to oust communism and shift over into a different kind of system. Uh, It was kind of a free-for-all. I heard somebody refer to it as, uh, I think it was an intelligence guy. He said it was over there. It was basically like the Wild West. You know, they were shooting people in the streets. And and so it wasn't a smooth transition. It was very difficult. Uh, And as with most things, you know, a lot of people came out way ahead. Uh, with a lot of money, and a lot of people came out with very little or nothing. It's always the bad guys that come out at the head of the pack. And so that's, you know, a little piece I want you to park in your pack for a moment. Uh, When I looked at Cuba, Cuba had a really interesting response. And, you know, they have a very different climate. You know, Russia obviously is cold. Uh, Cuba is much more tropical. And what happened in Cuba was this... uh, sort of re-energizing of the community spirit and not everybody but i i was reading stories about how people uh, started walking and riding their bicycles and everybody got you know everybody was losing weight Uh, they adopted an attitude many of uh, sharing and so they would make dinner by you know one person would bring lemonade another person would bring beans another person would bring rice so they came together in communities oftentimes to fill in the gaps Uh, to socialize to connect Uh, they planted gardens because obviously you know their climate is much more conducive uh, than Russia's was and that's how they manage Uh, now they have you know obviously they're still under a lot of restrictions and so they suffer from uh, a lot of different issues they have not been brought into the modern world in the same way that Russia is trying to bring themselves into the modern world uh, but that was their coping. They came together. They planted food. They shared view, food. They walked. They biked. They just altered their daily existence, but they're also an island. They also have a different climate. Uh, when you looked at Argentina, I think that's the one that's probably the most interesting because Argentina is at one, was at one point richer than America. The riches in Argentina used to be the way they talked about it, and so they had a collapse, and their middle class, you know, people who had been used to a very comfortable lifestyle, were finding themselves living in the doorways of the cities because they had no place to live and they had no food to eat. And there were just horror stories coming out of, you know, animals being cut up alive, you know, trying to get meat. Uh, you know, people are eating their dogs and their cats. Uh, People are doing horrific things trying to survive. And these were middle class teachers, doctors, business people who had no clue how low they would sink and what they would do to try and survive. And shockingly, I think they are still welcoming of socialist systems so they haven't learned their lesson and uh, and the most recent one you know i think that if you've been paying attention is venezuela we saw that collapse when it went from a socialism to communism and uh one of the most upsetting stories i saw coming out of venezuela was a 90-year-old woman being interviewed saying i can't believe this is happening to me because she's just wearing the clothes on her back she has no home she has no food she has nowhere to go and she's just walking to wherever people end up migrating to when they've lost everything and they can't live in their home anymore and these are the realities you know these are the scary scary realities that we watch in movies and we sort of hear about but we dismiss because here in America most of us don't remember the Great Depression we don't remember the 30s because it's something that happened to our grandparents or our great-grandparents or maybe our parents you know I remember my mom talking about how her mother would take one can of tuna cream it right put it on bread trying to stretch it out for a family of five that's how they ate one can of tuna for five people and she was You know, when she talks about, she goes, "Yeah, my mom creamed everything. That was how they stretched food." Uh, You know, there's a great book that's one of my favorite called "How to Cook a Wolf," and it was written in the forties in Europe about how to survive in a time of war when there's great rationing and limited supplies with some ounce of dignity. How can you bring dignity and culture to your uh, survival? And the reason I'm bringing all this up is not because this is going to happen tomorrow. Uh, But it is on the horizon if there isn't some kind of radical shift. And, you know, one of the other hard truths that I've observed in the Survivor Prepper movement, which is why I just, you know, I kind of am a part of that, but I don't really connect with it, and I really am not of that mentality, is because it's this lone wolf idea. If I can just store enough food, I'm going to be okay. Well, there's two things that are wrong with that. The first is... If you don't have a way to produce food, eventually you're going to run out. There's three things wrong with that. Secondly, if you don't have a way to protect your food source, eventually somebody's going to come in and take it from you. And third, I just lost. And so one of the, this is when you have one of those moments, like I just, I had it all planned out in my head and I added something and I just forgot what I was going to say. So, uh, oh, the third thing is, is that there's this idea that no matter where I am, I'm going to be able to stay there. Uh, and for those of you who have been with me a long time, you know, I've been talking about just walk away when I first started and in the middle there of my long-term online process here Uh, because what I figured out when I looked at all these other countries is everybody with probably the exception of Russia eventually has to get up and start walking whether it's like Cuba where you have to walk around everywhere to get what you need Uh, or if it's like uh, Argentina or Venezuela or one of these other countries where you have to walk into a great migration and that is why so many people walk to America or get transported I guess as we're learning because you can't stay where you are if you do not have a way to produce food get water and protect everything that you have and there's this idea that oh I'll be able to figure it out but when we don't have supportive community, you still eventually run out of stuff. A part breaks or you get sick. Uh, You know, I say this over and over. One of the things that came out that hit home for me uh, with the Eastern European wars uh, was a guy who survived through that. And he said more people died of infection than bullet wounds and the lack of soap, the inability to clean up a cut was a more prevalent cause of death than being shot not that that wasn't an issue but because we're Americans and we think we are like the wild west we think if we have our guns gold and uh, beans bullets or whatever version you want to go here uh, that we'll be okay and that just isn't enough and so uh, I only say all this stuff because I'm like you I'm watching it hurdle towards me I understand all these things Uh, I also understand I don't have control over the way they're going to come at me so the thing that I want to offer as I've moved through all these scenarios is a different way to look at it now as I've mentioned, you know, the purpose of this podcast is really to speak for those of you like me who are wired for danger. We are the ones that can't stop ourselves to run into the burning building. Uh, We can't, we are more likely to want to look at the hard truths and we're more likely to sacrifice ourselves so that somebody else can live. But now we're moving into a situation that requires a different way of thinking about who it means to be a wired for danger person, uh, and any of you who have watched that movie, The Book of Eli, uh, you know, there's a scene where he comes up uh, on a woman who's lying helpless in the street or road or whatever you want to call about it, uh, asking for help, looking, you know, vulnerable and innocent. Because a wired for danger person, they want to help. Well, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Because she's the decoy because the people are high, the men the men with guns are hiding behind the buildings or the blockades and are coming out to rob the nice guy who's offering to help now in the movie he's like super awesome and he takes everybody out because it's a movie and he's able to be super awesome Uh, in real life it doesn't work that way I will never forget those images of the riots where Uh, two different times. One was a guy pulls out a sword as he's facing a crowd, like somehow he's going to wield his sword and they're not going to beat the shit out of him, which they did. Uh, Another guy pulling out a bow and arrow against a crowd and neither... of he didn't do well because we're so deluded after watching so many movies that somehow we can protect ourselves against a crowd of people it just you know with the exception of getting super lucky it just doesn't work that way there is no way to even shoot your way out of that and and so we live in this sort of false sense of reality about what's happening and so As a Wired for Danger person, I'm asking you to take the time ahead of this collapse, ahead of this calamity, and rethink your natural instinct. And your natural instinct is to go in and do the right thing. But the more desperate people become, the more desperate people become. And even people who were honorable and respectful and had integrity will do almost anything for food. They'll do almost anything to feed their children. And I'm not saying that we can't help people. What I am saying is that we have to be extremely careful and discerning. Now I mentioned yesterday, you know, one of the advantages that men have is that when you have high testosterone, you tend to be more paranoid and so you tend to be a little more on the defensive. Uh, men without that tend to uh, not have as good a fail safe. But I'm going to offer something up that I've never seen talked about, but I, other than in uh, the Star Trek series with Counselor Troy. And she's an empath, and so she does the reading, the non physical, reading the energy, reading the mood, reading the intentions. And whether you believe in that or not isn't my goal to convince you. What I can tell you you know, in my work as a social worker, that is exclusively how I figured out what was going on with people. You know, I was trained to ask questions. I was trained to observe. I was trained to do all these things to discern what's actually going on with somebody. But I didn't really employ any of that. All I had to do was read their energy and I could tell you exactly what was going on with that person, whether they were safe, whether they were serious, whether they were really trying to kill themselves, whether they were just trying to get attention, whether they were a danger, Uh, and I don't really know of any situation. I think the only one where I guessed wrong was this lady was a hardcore drug drug addict and I did not think she was safe to be alone with her child. I thought the risk was too high the social worker disagreed with me and I did see her like a year later and she hadn't killed her kid yet. I don't know what happened to her kid in that year, but the kid was still alive. So uh, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm saying there's people like me who are extremely intuitive and empathic and can read what the real situation is. And why that's important is that people will present as safe. They will present as vulnerable, as helpless, as uh, having integrity, as being trustworthy. They will con you out of everything and they will steal and they will cheat and they will manipulate because they're desperate. The, The reasons are irrelevant. You know, we're not in, once things go to a hardcore mode, you don't have the luxury of being understanding and compassionate. Uh, if you're at risk of losing your life and everything that's a totally different ball game than when you have a system in place to hold people accountable and to try to help people get better or get help or those kinds of things so I'm not saying slam the door on everyone and everything I'm saying that the natural instinct to help to do the right thing to run into the fire must be tempered with the reality of an extremely different world and that can be really tough and why it's important that your immediate circle is everybody knows their value like who's too soft who's too hard who's too paranoid who's too generous who's too blind to other people's intentions, right? We all have people that we know. I'm thinking of my person who's just always picks the scary criminal pedophile guy. They always put their faith in that person. I don't know why, but whatever is going on with their uh, emotional makeup, they always invest their energy in the person that has the least good intentions for them. And You know, when we're, when we live in a world like we are right this moment, that's okay, right? Everybody has to live out the consequences of their decisions. And for the most part, just that one individual will be damaged, not everybody. But in a collapse, catastrophe, crisis situation, the risk and the cost is so much higher. And so, know thyself know what the truth about you is it's not about ego it's not about being special it's not about being strong it's not about being a hero it's about absolutely knowing who you are and the people that you're immediately around knowing who they are and who's the best interface for anybody that approaches who's the best person's judgment that you can trust in evaluating situations that are questionable uh, and at the same time, you know, going back to the beginning of what we talked about here, if the economy does collapse, which I can't imagine it's not going to, what does what is that going to mean for you? I mean, this is one of those moments where we have to really look around. Uh, you know, one of the concerns about where I am is I am freaking far away from everything. So that's good because nobody's coming up here uh, without knowing where they're going. But there's nothing up here. And so there's a balance to that. You know, there's a point where uh, we would have to leave, probably on foot. So how far away from you? Which direction would you go? Where would you seek to migrate to if things came to that? So there's a lot of uncertainty about what's happening. There's a lot of uh, questionable issues in terms of what this actually means for us. Uh, and it's also unimaginable. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Trying to imagine, you know, no matter how many stories I read about other people's experiences through this same process, it's very difficult to to really believe. Well, it's not going to get that bad, right? Somebody's going to do something. Nobody's going to let that happen. And I, like you, desperately want that to be true. But I don't know. I mean, I watched, like I said, I read what happened to everybody else. And I don't know why we would be the exception to the rule. Because we certainly are not paying attention. Uh, And that was really the message yesterday. It's, you know, we need to build the systems. We need to build the arc. Because, you know, the decision I made when I lost everything is I am not going to support the old system I don't know what the new system is going to be, but I want to figure that out. And that's been, you know, my experimenting with what, what really works. What can I live without? What are different ways to interact with money? Uh, and I didn't do everything right. I made a lot of bad decisions probably for me and for everybody. But I'd say the dog, since we're the two that suffer from the consequences of my decisions. But I've learned a lot. And that to me is always the more important thing. Uh, and I also have everything I need you know, I did a good job of preparing for this kind of situation. I don't think I can survive it physically, but I did have, you know, the right plan and the right intention. So uh, there is no perfect solution or perfect situation. But because I'm speaking to you, you who are most likely to be the one to step up and do something. Cuz remember when we're in a lot of fear or there's danger, we run away, we shut down or we move towards it. And so the more scary things get, the more we will default into our primary nervous system response. And so the people who shut down and freeze, they're not going to take action. The people who run away, they're the ones that are more likely that are going to cheat and steal and and try to take They call themselves strong men, but they're not. They're just sad, pathetic, insecure people that want to take from others. And so that just leaves the strong men and women who are willing to move into the scary part, and that's you. That's who I'm talking to. And, you know, I'm also telling you that you can't save everybody, that you have to make different decisions, that you have to get a harder edge to you. You have to shave off some of that compassion that you may still be holding on to. And you're going to have to make super hard decisions about what you do and who you try to help and what kind of uh, systems you want to put into place and who you want to protect and who gets your resources, right? Everybody can't get everything they want whenever they want it. You know, the American dream of comfort and safety is coming to a rapid close where we're going to have to, you know, work again for what we want. We're going to have to put the energy in. Uh, And that's, you know, what I've been talking about with this parallel economy. And I am adding integrity. I I believe the new economy will be integrity, commodity, and energy. So I am putting my faith and effort into an ICE-based parallel economy And I think without integrity, you will have no system in which we can survive. If we do not find a way to bring integrity back into our world, then the scary people always win. Because when you start to make those compromises, and this is that fine line, you know, when do you say no? Uh, When do you say yes? There is no hard and fast rule all and every decision is yours and every consequence to that decision is yours and that's what freedom is and that's why it's dangerous because it's not perfect it's not everything you want whenever you want however you want and so the most radical shift this is the hardest thing to accept especially for the masculine energy who's very outcome oriented who's very uh, hierarchical who's very uh, that you know the masculine energy is very external. Uh, that the purpose of all of this is not to get the outcome that we want. The purpose is really the development of who we are as character, as spirit, as human within ourselves. And so the situations that we're going to be faced with, it's not about doing whatever it takes to survive. It's about rising up and making the decisions that best serve your personal character, your personal spirit, your personal journey through this life. And that is not easy. And it's really, really difficult when children are hungry and old people are starving and frail and, and you're it, right? You're the only one running around trying to take care of everybody. You can't save everybody, you can't make everything okay, you cannot keep other people from experiencing the consequences of their choices, which is why America is in the situation that it is. It's because we have been oblivious to how we have supported ourselves in the lifestyle that we have created. We have chosen to not pay attention. And that is a decision. And in that decision, there comes consequences. And those are the things that people don't want to know. Those are the truths that, that are too much because we think we're good people. Right? My uh, pedophile person, she's a good person. She always tries, tries to do the right thing. In her mind, she's kind and she's generous and she's helpful and she's gentle and she's spiritual and and everything is good. And all I do is watch her, you know, put her faith and support in all these people and institutions that are just have the worst intentions ever and she just doesn't want to know and there are consequences to that decision and so none of this is easy and th- and this is where you know I really am trying to go with these podcasts and so uh, i am not going to email you every time i post because i can't stand it when people email me every single day but much in the same way, you know, when I started off on YouTube, there was a, a, a year there where I didn't, you know, nobody watched and I was so happy nobody watched because I could do whatever I want. Uh, I'm going to take this moment in time to sort of take the gloves off of my own inhibitions, the way I edit myself, the way I hold back. Uh, because what I've learned is nobody's hearing what I say anyways. I've had two conversations recently where people are insisting that they hear me because they hear me, and I'm like, well, you didn't understand what I said. But no, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Because we don't even know when we're not hearing what the other person is saying, and so it's taken me a long, hard road to get to the point where I've got to stop trying to communicate the information that I want you to hear and start just communicating what's in me to share that I have been carrying around with me for so long, and let it go because nobody hears what I say. So, uh, so that's the way that these are going to transform, and I'm just going to start doing what I want to do and let it go, and we'll see what it morphs into. Uh, that's what happened to the videos. Eventually, they shaped and took a form. Uh, after I was able to experiment with them for a while so that's what these are going to be I'm going to be kind of experimenting with what I talk about how I talk about those kinds of things the running theme will be though for those who have the same kind of nervous system I do and that is those of you who run towards danger and we have never been in a more dangerous situation than we are exactly here today so you are probably the most important part, people in the world right now because you will be the only ones that are probably going to function as we move forward. And even then, it's going to be really difficult. And so if there was a reason to listen, it would be that. Not because I can tell you how to be safe. I can't tell you how to be comfortable. I can't tell you it's going to be okay. I can tell you. That this is your journey and that we are all doing the best we can. There's nothing that's right. There's nothing that's wrong. But most importantly, it's not our job right now to save everybody. It's our job to remember who we are at the deepest level. Not just human, not just man or woman, but who we are in the eyes of God, in the eyes of who created it and what created us, and that there's a higher Uh, game at play that we can't see and that we just have to make the decisions that present themselves in front of us and what I feel that I'm being guided to tell you to get through and to build what is next is for men to really get in their bodies and embody the energy and the rage and the frustration and take action and that action really needs to be building the arc building the systems building what we need to move into a future that none of us really know what's going to be and for the feminine it needs to get into our heart to get super strong and empowered and focused on the truth to hold that to pull our energy back from trying to fix and solve the problems and to save others but to be so strong in our center in our heart that containment uh, because that's feeding the energy field, and that's the energy that the masculine draws on, so if we're not feeding it with the power of our heart, then strength becomes dark, and it becomes evil, and it does horrific things. It serves no one to shut ourselves down from the uh, truth of who and what we are. It serves everyone when we build up that emotional energy of love and power and uh, compassion and peace and calm within us, centered within us. That's what's feeding the energy field around us immediately and around the world and the universe. And so we can't do both. We can't be out running around trying to solve every problem and fix everything. Our work is to center it within us and feed it out and withdraw some of the effort that we put in solving problems because it's this imbalance that's really gotten us into the situation in the first place. I believe it needed to happen so that we could find our way back to more of the truth of who we are, but it's a very painful process. And so that's what we're doing here. So it's just going to be a free-for-all on my end. uh, And my goal is to inspire you to reclaim both the masculine and the feminine within you whether you're a man or woman how to navigate with your personal nervous system because we all have a different uh, we all have the same nervous system but we all function within it differently so that we can remember who we are we can get through and we can begin building what is next because that is what will keep us sane. Trying to make other people stop doing what they're doing, uh, trying to prevent the dollar from collapsing, trying to stop uh, insanity is a waste of time and energy for everybody. It's just to reverse and just start focusing on what you can do. We can build what is next, and we can pull the energy within us as women. And with that, my friends, I'm going to leave you with that to think about. And I, who knows what will happen tomorrow, (laughs) will see you next time.